Boom, put boom, boom, A side, B side, what side are you on? So welcome back to another episode of A Side B Side Podcast. This week as a special episode, we have friend of the podcast, Aurora from Murder Murder News joining us this week. Hello. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It is so awesome to have you because, first of all, love Murder Murder News. Follow you guys on uh, Instagram, follow you on Twitter. You guys have a YouTube, of, of course. Uh-huh. You even yeah. have a TikTok. We have, we're on anywhere that you don't even want us to be, we're there. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> so tell us when your episodes come out. So our episodes come out each Friday. And um, we are actually on a tiny little bit of a hiatus right now. So we're going to be releasing bi-weekly um, through the next couple of months uh, and then picking back up to uh, weekly towards, I think, um, August or something. But every Friday we release our podcast episode. We actually did recently retire our YouTube. We just had our last episode, at least for a while this past Friday. So go check out those old episodes. They are still gems. <laughs> they are great. And each episode is usually about what, 20, 30 minutes. Yes. Our YouTube is shorter and we try to think of it as kind of like a true crime morning show sort of thing. So um, we have news updates from the week of true crime stories, but we also have guests. You have been on our show, yes. which was fantastic. I think around <laughs> Christmas and December. Mm -hmm. um, and so each week we would have a true crime podcaster or YouTuber or TikToker on and then we would talk about uh, things to watch on TV that are true crime related and we just thought of it like a talk show. <laughs> awesome so check check out and catch up those old episodes and then you said bi-weekly every Friday. Yes yes for the next couple months. <laughs> all right on all your favorite streaming platforms of course. Absolutely. <laughs> all right so the world is opening back up so have you been able to kind of get out and maybe get like to a movie theater or get back to the mall or a restaurant? You know, um, I am currently living in Budapest in Hungary. Um, my husband works in film, so we move around quite a bit and it has been very hard for us to get the vaccine here. Um, so we have been playing it safe and just staying in other than my husband going to work and, you know, like basic grocery shopping and parks for like to take up my dog and that right. kind of stuff. But I actually just got my first Pfizer shot last week and I could not be more excited <laughs> to regain, to rejoin the land of the living finally. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's exciting. So how did you do? Did you have any symptoms? You know, I had pretty mild symptoms and um, I always like think I'm so tough and that like nothing's going to bother me. And it's like, oh, I can handle that. I can have another shot. I can do this. But I'm such a baby. It's like my arm was so sore. I couldn't sleep on it. I couldn't move it. I was cranky as shit. <laughs> like I was like, Angelina and I, my co-host were trying to record a Patreon episode and I'm like, nah, 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 nah. and I'm like, what am I doing here? Like I was being such a like meanie and so grumpy and I don't blame it on myself. I blame it on Pfizer. It was completely <laughs> Pfizer's fault, but you know what? Yes. For the good in the long run. Right. Right. Yeah. For the good of everybody. I was grumpy for Pfizer. <laughs> so because your husband works in film, is there any films that you can recommend for us? 
Um, you know, he has been working in some kind of interesting ones recently. He was in TV. He's been in TV for a long time and um, he's from Los Angeles and he worked with the Shonda Rhimes for years. <gasps> oh my gosh. Jealous. Right. And like, I'm so, I'm so annoyed because he actually uh, quit that job right before we met. So I have not met Shonda, but he, he knows Shonda, like he, he worked with her. He was kind of a senior person on set. He worked on scandal. He worked on how to get away with murder. Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. So that's very cool. And he's actually working with one of the directors that um, has worked a lot with Shonda right now on um on an amazon show uh which is jack ryan with john krasinski yes yeah 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 so that is um being shot here which is really exciting um because a lot of really cool projects have been shooting in budapest recently like shadow and bone i don't know if you watched that yes wow i just watched every single episode in one day last weekend and I love it so much and a lot of the people that are on this film set also worked on Shadow and Bone so any of the um, local crew that's from Hungary pretty much all of them worked on Shadow and Bone since it was such a big show before this and they all got to meet the very handsome Ben Barnes Oh man. The, uh, the I can't think of his name on the show what's his nickname? He's uh. the villain <laughs> Oh gosh. Of course. Cause I'm on the spot. I can't think of it, but I can look it up. Alexander or something. I don't remember. My memory's terrible, but so he, he's so handsome. And I think right now we're having kind of this revival of a love affair with the villain and everyone's like, well, is he that bad? <laughs> is he that bad of a guy? Like putting this magic curse on the world that's swallowing it with darkness and monsters. I mean, is he that bad? (laughs) Something happened. What was the trauma trigger for him? Right, right? (laughs) Like his dad was probably just very mean to him and we should be a little forgiving and accepting. (laughs) He's talking to someone about this. He's going to be okay. Therapy for him. There are no red flags here. (laughs) Yeah. I think Disney has kind of helped with us looking at villains from the other side with like, starting with like Maleficent and like Beauty and the Beast. You're like, but they had trauma as a child. That's why they're like this. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I'm waiting for the Ursula origin story. She's my all-time favorite villain. Man, I would love that. Right? Like- I know they're just getting ready to do Little Mermaid, um, which I think is coming out maybe later this year. So Mm -hmm. I think it might be a while before we see an Ursula origin story. But I think Titus Burgess from Kimmy Schmidt, he played, he's played Ursula before. I think he would just be an amazing Ursula. And I am here for that. I absolutely love Titus. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's the best. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, it is so awesome to have you here. So normally Adam and I, uh, Adam can join us today. Um, we, you know, we do our little, we talk a little bit about movies and I know you haven't been able to get out or anything like that, but I will recommend since you did um, mention John Krasinski, when you are able to get out a quiet place too. Oh, yes. really good. Really I've been good. wanting to see it. And the first one was just so wonderful. And I love Emily Blunt so much. So yes. I'm glad to hear that it lived up to expectations because I know they had kind of a hard time getting it 
released because they wanted the theatrical release, but okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try to seek that out as soon as I'm able. Yes. I would say it's on par with the first one. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I love the first one. I love John Krasinski and I have not gotten to, I actually met him once years ago at like a random theater thing when I was living in Austin, Texas. He's very tall. He's very handsome. (laughs) And he's like, I think he's like, he's got to be at least six, four, like he's taller than you expect. Yeah. He might be taller than that. Um, but so I haven't gotten to meet him on this film set and I've heard that in the past, he sometimes brings Emily to set because they're like a very close, very loving couple. And, um, so I'm hoping to get some photos with the two of them at some point. If everybody's vaccinated and safe. Yes. (laughs) Yes. That would be awesome. Make sure you post those. If you get those (laughs) will do, (laughs) it'll be like the only thing I'm posting, like my only celebrity connection. So this week, Aurora, normally Adam and I, we do a two-parter, the AB. He he does the movies or the TV shows and I do the true crime. But this week we have you as our special guest. And you are going to tell us one of the true crime stories that has just kind of stuck with you the most. Yeah. And this is actually, um, I didn't realize it until a little bit later, but this is actually probably my hometown disappearance. Um, It happened in Columbus, Ohio, where I'm originally from. And it happened when I was living in Columbus and I have a lot of sort of overlapping coincidences with this story, but I somehow found out about this disappearance from Wayne from Slay Queens podcast. I'm not sure if y'all are aware of it, but it's a wonderful, it's so good. And right now it's pride month. So please go check them out. It's um, one of the first LGBTQIA true crime podcasts. And um, they do just a wonderful job. And um, I was talking to Wayne about um, like sort of his stories that have stuck with him. And this was one of his. And I was like, how do I not know about this? Because I'm from there. Right. After I found out about it, like there were just so many coincidences. So for those of you that are familiar with the story um, or not, um, I'm going to cover the disappearance of Brian Schaefer. So I'll just kind of jump in then. Um, So 27-year-old Brian Schaefer was a medical student at Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And he's actually from a suburb of Columbus, Pickerington, which is known for being the place I am from. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, I'm from Pickerington too, so it's kind of weird. It's not that big of a city. Um, And they also have a very good girls basketball team, which um, they're actually quite known for. Now I have, I have, I drive through Columbus when I go home to Buffalo Uh and Columbus is so flat. Like you can just see for like miles when you're driving through. Yes. It's so boring. It's, it's gotta be like the most boring state to drive through ever. You're always like, well, here's Columbus. Yes. And you know, thank goodness it's a small state. Like I think you can drive all the way from like across it in any direction about two to two and a half hours. So it gets very tiny compared to like a Texas or something. Right. Um, but it's all cows and cornfields. That's it. <laughs> I'm definitely, I was definitely conceived in a cornfield. I am sure. <laughs> Explains a lot. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So Pinkerington right outside of Columbus. And that's actually where you're from. 
That's right. So that's where he went to high school. And um, he was known for being really athletic and competitive. He played basketball, soccer, tennis. I think he was the also the captain of the tennis team at Pickerington uh, High School. But he also was in a band and played guitar and music was a really big passion for him. So he really loved playing music and he would often joke about wanting to become a rock star someday. So that was a big interest of his. Um, but he graduated from Pickerington High School in 1997 and got his undergraduate degree from OSU, Ohio State, and microbiology in 2003. He started medical school in 2004. So he was super handsome, or I should say is. Um, we are hoping that he's still out there. So he is super handsome, six foot two, dark hair, and he clearly had a lot to look forward to in his life. Like things were really going well for him with medical school and such. And he started dating his girlfriend, Alexis Wagoner, while they were in medical school. And things were moving in the direction of marriage for the two. So they had a big trip planned to Miami for spring break in April of 2006. His mom had actually gifted him with a trip, with that trip to Miami. And they were going to head there on April 3rd. Okay. So friends and family thought Brian might use this opportunity to propose to Alexis. That's how serious things were. She kind of was suspecting it. Everybody was kind of suspecting it. And on March 6th of 2006, Brian lost his mother, Renee, after her three-year-long battle with cancer, which he took pretty hard. Yeah. Um, but from, you know, reports about this, he, he was dealing with it. He was trying to stay focused on school and kind of push through. She had been sick for a long time. So while it's certainly never easy to deal with your mother's death, um, he had some time to kind of process it and they, right. they knew it was coming. So he was dealing with it, but he was hit pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. So later that month, um, so this is again in 2006 on March 31st, he took his midterms and then was celebrating the start of spring break by first going out to dinner at Outback Steakhouse in Reynoldsburg, Ohio with his father, Randy and Reynoldsburg, um, you know, Columbus is like in the center and Pickerington and Reynoldsburg are actually like right next to each other, like heading east. And uh, it's about like 20, 30 minutes outside of Columbus. So it's another suburb of Columbus. Okay. So later that night, Brian also made friends to hang out with his friend, Clint Florence. So around 9 p.m., the two walked to a bar called Ugly Tuna Saluna in South Campus Gateway. <laughs> yeah, it's such a ridiculous name, <laughs> Ugly Tuna Saluna. And it was a pretty short walk from his apartment on King Avenue. So Clint had met at his place okay. and everything I had read online about th this night out and such, it's all talking about ugly tuna and about how it's just like the worst place in the world <laughs> and how like it's so cheesy. I honestly loved it. Really? I was going to ask <laughs> you if you had been there. Yes, I had. And I was living in Columbus at this time. Um, I never knew Brian. He graduated the same year as my oldest sister. Um, I actually did want to send my sister a message to see if she had known him or knew anything about him. Um, but my sister is an absolute monster. So I decided to take a pass on that. I was trying to ask my mom. I was like, has she ever talked about this? But right. I'm not sure if my sister ever knew him. It's not that big of a high school. So it's possible my sister did um, and she was also like very beautiful and whatever. So it's possible. Who knows? Who knows? Right. Have known each other. Like he's definitely like a handsome, like athletic guy. He sounds like a Mr. Like all American type. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely his type, like very charming, very charismatic, very likable, um, and just could do anything he wanted. Like he just decided after high school um, that he was going to switch it up. Like it hadn't been his lifelong dream to go to medical school. He just decided that he was going to do it and did it. Okay. Like that definitely sounds like privilege to me. But yeah. Okay, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so Ugly Tuna was actually a place that I used to hang out. Um, my boyfriend at the time in 2006 lived upstairs um, in an apartment upstairs. It was oh, kind wow. of this weird, funky thing where they had like restaurants downstairs and they had like student or more like master student kind of housing upstairs. Like my boyfriend at the time was getting his master's at Ohio state. Um, so whenever I would go stay at his place, we often went to ugly tuna. And I remember they had a great salad with like the cilantro dressing that was like super yummy. And, um, I liked it, you know, so I was, was, was like, like we're in a cornfield, but <laughs> yeah, it's a bar and restaurant. And I was trying to look at their menu and like, remember if I remembered the salad, right. And it looks like they have more junky, typical bar food, like nachos and stuff now. But I remembered it as being kind of like a Tex-Mex. I had never at that point being from Ohio ever in my life had good Mexican food. So I had no idea what I was talking about, Um, but I loved it. (laughs) I'm sure it's not good. (laughs) And then you moved to Texas and you're like, wait a minute. (laughs) When I moved to Texas, like my eyes opened. I had no idea that what I was eating in Ohio was not Mexican food. And I'm sure it's gotten better, but in 2006, not good. Right, right. (laughs) So it's a place I would hang out. It's a place I would frequent. It's like a little like hip, like cute place. There's, you know, um, like really popular with college students, very popular with college students, very close to campus. Um, It also bridged two neighborhoods in Columbus. Um, It's right on high street in the main drag and there's the campus area. And then there's the short North and the short North had just become the very hip and upcoming neighborhood uh, around that time, probably like starting in 2004. Um, It was still like a little bit dangerous. It had been a bit more run down. And um, around this time, they started bringing in all these art galleries and kind of like, you know, hip fancy things. Um, So it was like that area, the South Campus Gateway, um, there was like a Barnes and Noble and stuff. Like it it built up really quickly. Right. It was like a very cute place to be. So a lot of college students for sure were hanging out there. So, um, so they hung out at the ugly tuna for a couple of hours. They're doing some shots. I had read they did about four shots and at 10 30 PM, Brian called Alexis, his girlfriend to check in on her in Toledo where she was currently visiting her family for a few days before they would go away on this trip together. And Brian let her know how excited he was to go on this trip with her and to let her know he was thinking about her. So Brian and Clint then did some bar hopping around the short north, which is just south of OSU's campus and the gateway, like I mentioned. So they stopped at Short North North Tavern, Brothers Bar, and Red Star. And while they were out, they ran into Clint's friend, Meredith Reed, around 11.40 p.m. So the three of them meet up. They do some shots together. Meredith actually ends up driving them back to Ugly Tuna, where they started, Mm -hmm. around 1.15 a.m. And um, fortunately for us, um, that place, because it was kind of like nice and new and shiny and whatever, had a bunch of security cameras around. 
Um, so security footage caught the three of them riding the escalator up to the bar. So it was like this weird kind of thing where it was kind of like a mall, but not right. um, like it, it's kind of like an outdoor air, you know, like the upstairs had like a patio and stuff outside. It was a bit mallish, right? Uh, but then apartments on the top floor. And so, um, so it had an escalator to get up to the second floor. So um, basically there were a couple entrances to the bar and they all had surveillance footage. And we see Brian and his two friends riding up the escalator at 1.15 a.m. Okay. So Clint was a TA. And while they are at Ugly Tuna, he just knows everybody in town. And they ran into a couple of his students at the bar who are Amber Ruick and Brighton Zafko. So I would like to mention that I have heard about the story now many, many times. Um, and I've done quite a bit of digging. Mm -hmm. And for the first time ever, when I was researching this yesterday for us to talk about, I noticed that one of the names of the ladies that he was last talking to is Brighton Zatko. That name is a very unusual name. And yes. I know her very well. <laughs> wow. This is so wild. And like, I guess it's like Columbus just, you know, isn't that big of a city and it was even smaller at this time. But I actually worked with Brighton at Target overnight oh, wow. at a okay. night shift when I was in college. And um, God, I love this girl. And I hadn't thought of her name in so many years. Um, we just kind of fell out of touch when I moved away from Columbus. Right. And when I worked overnight at Target, it was the worst job I ever had in my entire life. <laughs> I'm a morning person, like staying up late and putting things on shelves. I'm also an extrovert. Like it was just right. really boring for me, but Brighton was this like shiny bright light in this terrible situation where she's always like singing and dancing and like entertaining everybody at like three o'clock in the morning at seven o'clock in the morning when you want to be in bed. And like, she is just the best. So I read her name yesterday and I'm like, no effing way. Like how many Brighton Zatko's can there be in the entire right. world from Columbus? Yeah. So I went to send her a message. Um, Facebook, unfortunately, deactivated my account a year ago. So I lost everybody on my friend list at that time and just hadn't thought to um, re-add her. But I did re-add her and talk to her a little bit today. So wow. I'll bring at the end. But so they run into Brighton and her friend Amber at this bar. So um, they're all hanging out and chit-chatting together. And at 1.55 a.m., so about 40 minutes later, Brian is seen on that same security camera just outside of the bar by the escalators talking to Amber and Brighton. And the three of them, um, there's quite a long clip of this that's a few minutes long that you can definitely find on YouTube very easily. So they're kind of talking just off camera, but you can kind of see them pop a little bit into camera from time to time. Um, we see that Brian puts his phone number into Brighton's phone. Uh, and then the three of them appear to walk back into the bar together. But the angle of the camera is not like the way it, you see him walk in. It's not 100% certain that he walked back into the bar. Like you see them all kind of exit like south of the screen. Like right. it appears that he goes back into the bar, but we don't know 100% that he did. Um, and from talking to Brighton today, I just had like a quick um, text chat. I'm actually going to set up a call with her. So I will send you the update okay. about what exactly this conversation um, entailed after I talked to her. Um, unfortunately, I didn't have time to get that book before this, but right. she said that they were flirting mm -hmm. and it was very clear that they were flirting and that he was taking her phone number. 
Um, and that that's about it. Like it seemed very casual, nothing seemed to be wrong. Um, you know, he's definitely not talking about any of the things that might've been going wrong in his life with being stressed about classes or his mom or anything right. like things seem very normal and like a very normal flirty conversation. I so mean, not girls- surprising a, a good looking met college med student. I mean, yeah. Okay. He's got a serious girlfriend, but it's not surprising to anyone that he's going to flirt with this bright bubbly person. Yeah. She's just the best. Like you could, like, I would love to go flirt with her. (laughs) Like I just, she's so near and dear to my heart. Like I just love her. She's so like easy to get along with and you know, like things, things happen. Like they're, they're busy and in med school and maybe he had fine intentions and just wanted to be friends. Like we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Like, I don't know how, you know, the conversation went, like we'll find out, but it could have been just very casual. Like they're drunk. I get it. We've all been there probably. So, so whatever it is, um, when the girls leave to go inside and when Brian goes to go inside, they were definitely under the impression he was going back into the bar. They had no reason to believe he was going to go someplace else or escape or walk away on his own. They believed that he was right behind them. So the two girls go to the restroom. Um, and this is again, 1.55 AM at this point, like a few minutes after this is getting really close to 2 AM. Bars do close at two in Columbus and they really push you out when they close. Like there's no niceties, especially at a college bar. Like they start pushing people out at 2 AM. So they go to the restroom, they come out and they've lost track of Brian. So Clint and Meredith, the two friends that had been hanging out with Brian early in the night, could not find him in the bar at this point. According to Clint, it was not unlike Brian to just kind of wander off on his own when he had been drinking. Mm -hmm. So this is maybe kind of his MO, you know, again, like a thing with privilege is that like men probably do feel pretty comfortable. Right. If they've been drinking, kind of like wandering around, whereas a woman, you might not um, like feel as safe. So he, you know, they can't find him. They're not necessarily super worried, but they are trying to look for him. Um, and the bar closes, like I mentioned, everybody's leaving. You can see on security footage, everybody kind of pouring out and going down the escalator. The two friends search the bar. They check the bathrooms. They wait for everybody to empty out of the bar and wait outside trying to find him. He's six foot two. He's pretty easy to spot. And he's just not there. So they try calling him at 2.01 a.m. From what I've I've read different accounts of how many times they called him, it sounds like they called quite a few times. They left him a voicemail. The phone's going straight to voicemail. Mm -hmm. And we know Brian had his phone minutes before talking to Brighton. We see Brighton on security answering her phone number into his phone. He had his phone. Yeah. So um, it's not like he's you know, lost it this quickly, or we don't know what happened in these few minutes, but it's going straight to voicemail, even though it appeared to be on and have battery earlier. So, and also these were 2006 phones. I feel like the batteries lasted a year. Forever. Like they're probably still working, you know? Yes. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing would kill these things. It's not like an iPhone now where you're like tap, 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 three minutes later. Yeah. (laughs) you watch two minutes of a show and it's like oh let me charge my phone (laughs) right like I have to be sitting next to my charger it was not like that like this thing you would have expected unless he hadn't been keeping track of it all day like should have been just fine right so um so at 209 a.m 
Another security uh, camera catches the two friends, Clint and Meredith, leaving the garage at 209. At this point, they've said that, um, you know, they are a little bit worried about Brian. They're calling, but they kind of think he's just gotten tired. He's drunk. They've done so many shots, like, you yeah. know, like college level shots that like nobody's body should be able to handle at this right. point. Like they did four at this bar and two at this one and more at this one, like whatever. So like, they're like, he just went home drunk, like yeah. no big deal. So they leave a little bit worried, not super worried. And um, like you said, it's a, he's a six foot two male. Nobody's, nobody's going to obviously assume something happens. Exactly. Immediately. Like you think this guy can fend for himself. Mm-hmm. So he's never seen or heard from ever again. And the last time that anybody saw him was by Brighton and her friend, Amber. Um, Clint and Meredith did not see him come back into the bar. Brighton and Amber did not actually physically see him come back into the bar. They just assumed he was behind them. And that security footage is the last time he has seen. Um, There are several entrances to the bar. Like I mentioned, there's like an emergency elevator um, that would have been hard for him to get to, but that had a surveillance footage a camera too. Yeah. Never seen on that one. Police reviewed the footage and he's not on that one. There was also supposedly a staff entrance that they used for like bands and stuff to play that did not have security footage, but I've not been able to confirm that that's a hundred percent true. That might just be a rumor. So have, has there been any, like, was there any phone activity again? Was there any, has there been any update at all? There's been no updates um, and I'll kind of go through some of the um, some of the theories next. But as far as his phone, um, his girlfriend, Amber, was extremely dedicated mm-hmm. to trying to find him. And she went to his apartment and waited for days just in case, you know, just in case, like, who knows, like in case he's gotten cold feet or whatever, like she went and right. waited for him. She called his phone every single day for months. And um, Um, As far as like, you know, pinging or being able to be traced, technology was just different then. Um, Mm -hmm. So it would have been a hard thing to do. There was supposedly one time in September uh, of that year, so a couple months later, that she called and it rang and it rang and it did not answer, but it did not go straight to voicemail. And so police were able to trace where that phone call pinged since the phone was finally on mm-hmm. and it pinged to someplace 14 miles away from Columbus. But when the police talked to Verizon about the ping and the phone call, they said it was possible that it had hit a tower incorrectly and that it was just an error. Oh no. Yeah. So, um, so that was, a, a bad lead and um, police don't think it had anything to do with him. And it was just an error. Like, I, I don't know. I think it's a little suspicious. That's I a could little see. shady to me too. But I mean, at, and like you said, technology then was a little different. Um, it's not like now when, you know, the phone pings, it's pretty precise. Um, exactly. Yeah. And so it was less precise then, but I still like, I can see why she would hold on hope to that. Like that's, that's, that sends like some weird signals. Yeah. I would also be a little bit uncertain about what that meant too. Now, did anyone check because they were supposed to go on this big trip? Did anyone check that location? 
Supposedly, and um, you know, there's been like some theories throughout time about like sightings that he's been in Mexico or he's been spotted here. None of them have ever been confirmed. But, um, but let's do talk about some of the theories of okay. what might have happened to Brian, because there are quite a few theories. And this is, this is a very popular case in Columbus. You know, a lot of people care about him. A lot of people have been, there's a whole podcast, you know, whole series about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been like a very watched case. So some of the theories are um, that one of the most popular ones I should say is that um, the South Campus Gateway was largely under construction at this time. I mentioned at 155, he could be seen on security footage walking in the direction of the bar entrance. But on the other side of the entrance was uh, like a door to a construction site. So some people believe it's possible he was drunk, he got confused, maybe he decided to explore the construction site because he was drunk. Um, or that he could have just like gone over there, been confused and he fell or got trapped in here at some point. So they did bring in cadaver dogs uh, to the construction site not long after his disappearance and did not find anything. However, I did read that it had just rained, which brought up like that brings up a lot of smells for dogs. I know when I go to the dog park right after it rains, my dog, like he's never interested in anything, but like (laughs) it it suddenly like lights up for him. So supposedly the cadaver dogs were reacting a bit, um, Mm -hmm. but like they didn't find anything. Some people believe he could have been covered in cement and that's why there's no smell. Okay. Phew. Yeah. Man, you know, it's. And I think for both of us, we cover these stories for groups that are not normally um, talked about so much, you know, marginalized, underserved communities. So it is really kind of odd when you hear a story of a a cisgendered straight white male just appearing. I know. And I never cover these cases. You and I talked about it. I was like, is it weird that I just for the straight white man? Cause like, it's, it's not usually on our radar. Like, again, like one of my goals is to bring uh, attention to cases that aren't getting the attention they deserve. Right. And like, and I just think of these as always getting solved. Cause like everybody freaking cares, <laughs> you know, right. like the police care finally, and <laughs> they're actually paying attention. Yeah. But it's just so odd for this to happen and it's never been solved. Yes. Yeah. It's never been solved, still unsolved. So that's one theory. And I think that that one could be kind of likely, you know, like it really, um, there are lots of pictures that you can see just how under construction it was and how close he was to the construction site. If he had a tendency to wonder, Mm -hmm. you know, if he's like talking to these girls and he's like drunk and like, yeah, let's hang out that he could have been like, what is this over here? Kind of thing. So I think that one's really likely. And the next one is that it could have been a crime of opportunity. So I mentioned that area of Columbus was known for not being super safe at the time. And it's possible he was uh, robbed or harmed sometime if he wandered off on his own. That doesn't explain why he wasn't on security footage, but it's certainly possible something happened to him. And I have to say that Columbus has a a very high crime rate. Mm -hmm. Um, And for around this time, the crime rate in Columbus was higher than Chicago's, which I don't know that it stayed that high, but I lived not far from here. And like one time I was walking home from a bar not far from this 
and I hear somebody like keeping pace with me behind me. Oh God. I'm like by myself on a dark street. I'm drunk. I have my shoes off. I'm like that girl from school with like my heels in my hands, like probably stepping on like broken glass and like, who knows? And so I decided to like turn around and confront the person as kind of like a, I'm, I'm, I'm as scary as you, what are you doing? Like kind of thing. Like, right. Like, I'm like, I can't let him see whoever this is, like, see where I live, like whatever, like I'm going to stop this. So I said something to him and like, I yelled at him back behind me and I was like, are you following me? Like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm really sorry. There's another guy that was following you. And I wanted to make sure you got home safe. If you're okay with it, I'll keep walking this far behind you from you, like to make sure he doesn't get you or whatever. And I'm like, what? Oh my (laughs) gosh. Yes. So like, you know, things were going on around here. One of my boyfriends got mugged like twice in the same week at knife point by like different people. So it's definitely possible that there could have been some kind of actual crime involved and like, you know, he could have been robbed and like, they just didn't find him. Like, that's definitely a possibility. It was like a dangerous area at the time. So The next one, I think this might be a very interesting one to you being in true crime. Um, So there's one theory that suggests Brian could have been a victim of the smiley face killer. Are you familiar? I think you might have mentioned this to me. Are you familiar with this? Yes. So this, for anybody who doesn't know, is kind of like this elusive idea that I think was started by some kind of detective in the North that basically there's kind of been this pattern of young men's bodies. And these men are all like privileged, wealthy, college educated, kind of like good old boys that end up like getting, going out to drink with friends. And then they find them dead near bodies of water. Mm -hmm. And it kind of looks like they drowned and were just being drunk and like, you know, like slipped in or whatever. But then their friends are like, no, like he was with us and he disappeared and like whatever. And like the stories don't quite line up. So there's a theory that somebody like a group of people perhaps is targeting these men and deliberately taking them down to the water and killing them because they have an issue with them or whatever. So that is a possibility. And one thing that kind of supports that theory in this case, um, like if you believed that, or if you wanted to go down that avenue, is Brian's father uh, had just really put all of his energy into trying to find Brian and exhausted all possibilities, including hiring a psychic. And... Um, I, I think that's always an interesting possibility. I would probably do that. Like, yeah. honestly, like if somebody yeah. I love was missing, like I, I would pull out all the stops. I, I totally believe in psychics. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. And um, I think that sometimes they can kind of prey on families and that can be sad, but um, I would seek out a psychic if this happened, like if I were Brian's dad. So I totally get it. And that psychic, um, not knowing anything about the smiley face killer. Cause that hasn't, that hasn't really come to light until the past few years, as far as I'm aware, like that theory, yeah. um, she saw his body in water. Like when she like had a vision, she thought that he had drowned Wow. and, or like not necessarily drowned on his own, but like she saw him being right. in water. And so he South campus gateway is about one and a half miles from the Olentangy River in Columbus. So it's possible that 
if that were a thing and if this were like a group of serial killers that like found him and were like he's our guy that they could have taken him to that river in a car or something like it wasn't super far from columbus like it's maybe not walking distance if you're managing like a drunk guy and trying to kidnap him mm-hmm. um but like they could have driven him there so that is a possibility though his body has never been found so um you know if he was in the river uh, then he has not been found for sure so of the theories which would you say is your favorite theory you know it's interesting because talking to brighton today um she has been really following this case, obviously, since it happened, you yeah. know, she's felt very close to it. And you had actually asked me like at the time, it's like, could Brighton be involved? And I was like, absolutely not. Like she is such a ray of sunshine. There's no way she could hurt anybody. Um, so I know like certainly wasn't her, but um, so I was asking her like what she thought. And she said for many years, like after this happened, she thought he picked up and started a new life somewhere. Now, that- I had heard that theory as well. That was why I was uh-huh. asking about like the trip. Did you know? Right. Did anyone see him or anything like that? Right. So there are like if you go down this rabbit hole on Reddit, which mm-hmm. I definitely recommend. There's like there's so many forums about this. Um, there's a lot of people that post pictures of people that look similar to him mm-hmm. in Mexico or here or whatever. Um, I think like one of them was in like Puerto Vallarta, like that okay. I saw. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that stands out, like when uh, you're reading about him is he kind of felt like he went down this path suddenly, like it wasn't really what he wanted to do. Like he didn't know that he wanted to be a doctor. He wanted to be a musician. Mm-hmm. And maybe he was like, you know, his mom had just died after losing her battle with cancer. So like, maybe he's like, you know what, I'm out. I can't do this. There are rumors he had to fight with his dad that night when they were out at dinner and his dad was kind of like pushing him and being like, you're not taking school seriously and whatever. Um, so it's possible that he was like, I don't want to do this anymore and just walked away and ran off someplace else. It's possible. Wow. So Brayton thought that for years. And I thought that was interesting because she she did meet him. And I think of her as being kind of an intuitive person. Mm -hmm. So for her to kind of like pick up on like his personality as being the type of person who might be like, I don't want to do this, like whatever that holds like some water for me. But honestly, I don't know. I think the construction site after looking at pictures, because I don't remember there being construction, you know, but I was in college and I probably have dementia, like at the age of 39, like who knows? I don't remember a lot about that building. You know, like I I remember being, I remember parts of that restaurant, honestly, like quite clearly, weirdly. Um, But I don't remember there being like construction and stuff, but seeing how close it was to the security camera. Mm -hmm. Like it was literally right next to it. Like you go left and you go into the restaurant, you go right, you go to the construction site. I think he could have just gotten confused or just been like a drunk dude and been like, I'm going to go mess around this construction site, which sounds like something I would have done, honestly, like (laughs) drunk, like (laughs) when I was 25 or whatever. Right. I don't know. What are your theories after hearing them? Well, when I first heard about this case, I was really into the whole, because of the true crime, I'm like, oh, it's the smiley face killer, but it doesn't completely line up with the other cases if you follow any of that, it doesn't completely line up with it. I mean, there are some similarities, like he's a white male, he's privileged, um, and there is water close by, but it seemed that all the other victims were found. 
Right. Um, and then there was some kind of, there, I, I can't remember the exact marking to give it the smiley face killer marking, but there was like a smiley face or something always drawn close to the victim or something. Oh, okay. So that doesn't add up. Um, right. I kind of am on the theory of maybe he did, you know, because he was so close to his mom and he was so stressed out and, you know, he, he was about to take this major step and maybe instead of saying, you know what, I'm not really, let's kind of halt this. He just said, right. screw it all. I'm out. It could be, you know, and I'm from the same area and please believe I wanted to run away from Ohio so many times when I was that age and I did finally and yeah. I went to Florida yeah. and uh, so it's possible. Yeah, I'm yeah, hoping would be, for, uh-huh. for everybody's sake, especially his, I'm hoping that's the route that, you know, he just packed up and left. Right. And I think it's nice to hold on hope like that, you know, like I, I want to believe that he's alive. You know, I want to like speak about him in the present tense. Yeah. Now, what about his uh, girlfriend? I was going to say fiance, but his girlfriend, almost fiance. How has she moved on in this? Do you know? You know, I um, did not follow up on that too much. I know that she has been very vocal throughout the years talking about his case and um, seemed very, very hurt about it. You know, she was also a medical student. It seemed like they're lives were on like a really good trajectory together. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what she's doing now, but that would be something to look into for sure. Well, when you get that update from Brighton, we are really looking forward to that. That's exciting uh, that you have such a close source to this case. What are the chances? You know, I, like know. It's, I guess it's kind of a small town, um, you know, especially being from Pickerington too. It's yeah. really not that big of a city. And uh yeah. And then both knowing her, like, as soon as I saw her name, I was like, wait, is that my Brighton Sane? I was like, it is like, it has to be her. Like there could only be one. Right. There can't be like thousands with that name. Like what are the chances? Like, <laughs> right. So, so yeah, it's really interesting. And, and I was friends with Brighton during that time. Um, and I never heard about it from her. And I'd be telling everybody. Yeah, I know. I, know. I am. You put his number in my phone. We were flirting. Right? Yeah, that would admit me. Like to this day, I still have his number. Like for me, I would have like done one of those things where it's like, I'm still single because I know Brian and I had a connection. Like I would have used that as like some kind of toxic excuse not to move on with my life. Like <laughs> holding on to that forever. So she moved on. She's great. She's like, She's thriving. But. She's out of Pinkerington. Yeah, she's she is. She's out okay. of Columbus. Um, she is still in Ohio. I forget where, but um, but yeah, she's moved on. Like she finished school. Like whatever. I believe she's in nursing, and she's just doing great. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for presenting this case to us today. Yeah. This has been awesome. We would love to have you come back sometime. Anytime. I'd love to hang out anytime. And I also want to hear about Adam's stories too. Oh gosh. Yes. He, um, part. he, his favorite thing is that guy from that show where he finds like a random actor that you see in everything. You know what? He hasn't done that lately. I'm gonna have to get on him because he hasn't done one of those lately, but I love right. those because you're always like, oh yeah, I know that guy. And that's yes. the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Well, Aurora, thank you so much. Of course, Murder, Murder News, bi-weekly, every Friday now. You can catch up with right. old episodes on YouTube. 
and um, give us, you have a website as well. Yes, we do. Um, so, you know, the way that we had actually gotten started with our brand was through a new site, um, which is murdermurder.news. And it's great because if you like, just don't have time for a new podcast and I get it, you know, like we all listen to so many, I right. always have time for a new podcast, but just in case you don't, um, it's a, it's a true crime news site and we have wonderful writers that keep y'all up to date with the latest breaking cases every day. There's brand new stories, a bunch of new stories. It's not a blog. It's like real journalist writing amazing right. stories. And um, we do have a focus on LGBTQIA and BIPOC uh, communities affected by crime. Um, so we do try to get out some lesser known stories. We will kind of talk about the Lori Vallows of the world too, but we try to kind of keep it, um, more focused on like missing persons and stuff where we could actually help uh, is kind of the idea behind that. So go check out our website, murdermurder.news for sure. Now we are in June, which is the start of Pride Month. And there is a cause that is very close to your heart that we'd like to talk about. Yes, this is fantastic. It's called the Trans Defense Fund LA. Um, and I found out about them through just reading like some article, I'm not sure where, but what they specifically do um, because there are trans defense funds like in various cities and like there's the main trans defense fund, um, but they focus on Los Angeles, which is like the last place I've lived in the US. Mm -hmm. um, as we all know, the trans community is hugely impacted by violent crime, often domestic violence. Mm -hmm. um, and and it, it's just a really messed up situation. So what they do is they get self-defense uh, tools and classes in the hands of the trans community with a focus on BIPOC members of the community. And um, so it's like mace or like those little like kitty keychain rings yes. that you can use for self-defense. Yes. And they teach them how to defend themselves. Like if they should ever find themselves in a situation where they need it, which mm -hmm. is really messed up and sad that we're there, but like it is something that's needed. Um, and what I really love about the organization is you can see tangible results. So sometimes you don't know where your money is going. Right. Donate, and it's like, well, what are you really spending it on? Yeah. And they will put a call out and say, um, this, we need this much money to buy this many kits. Like we've run out, like, can you all help us like today? And you like know where that money is going to right away to such a great organization. Awesome. So we are going to actually link that on our website. So that anybody that would like to go and help out and learn more about that, uh, learn more about them can do that as well. Perfect. Awesome. Aurora, thank you so much for joining us. That's been another episode of A-Side, B-Side podcast. Thank you so much for having me. A duck blind on Real Foot Lake in northwestern Tennessee becomes the unlikely site of a double homicide. Then the suspect's body is discovered floating in the murky waters nearby to the scene of the crime. Maya Miliete goes missing from Chola Vista after a fight with her husband, leading friends and family to believe he might be involved. Tune in to Murder Murder News, the Listen Edition, every Friday for the biggest true crime cases making headlines each week. Subscribe to Murder Murder News, the Listen Edition, wherever you listen to podcasts. As 
always, thank you for listening to A-Side, B-Side podcast. If you enjoy the show, please, if you don't mind, head on over to Apple and leave us a rating or a review. And if you'd like to continue to support the podcast, you can do so by heading on over to Patreon or you can buy us a coffee, as well as buying merch on our website, asidebsidepodcast.square.site. From Adam and I at A-Side, B-Side podcast, please remember to wear your mask, social distance if you're around people that don't live in your household, and just be safe and happy. Thanks again from us here at A-Side, B-Side podcast.